Well, people are starting to believe that the economy is turning around, and therefore President Biden decides he's going to build his re-election campaign around dead babies. Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green in this episode of Right Angles, brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, I kid you not, the Biden campaign has launched this uh, big effort now to draw attention, uh, and they have these banners made, Steve, that say, Restore Roe. And I just wanted to go. Ah, that's not how the Supreme Court works. I don't. I don't think you. <laughs> no. I don't think you understand <laughs> how that process works. But in any case, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris is out there on the hustings, uh, highlighting what she calls, and I quote, "the horrific reality that women are facing every single day." The horrific mm. reality that women are facing every single day. Not the horrific reality that it presents itself to their offspring, but to the women themselves. Anyway, 51st anniversary of Roe versus Wade, Biden campaign, instead of saying, hey, the economy's pretty good, folks, why don't you reelect me, is saying, hey, folks, uh, why don't you help me uh, get more abortions? Uh, but Steve, I saw a proposal that actually is a very, very old proposal that used to be a cornerstone of the pro-life movement um, even before Roe. And uh, this came up in an op-ed where somebody was saying, you know what, I, Republicans have a messaging problem, not a morality problem with this issue. And perhaps the focus, instead of focusing on banning abortions state by state now, perhaps the focus should be on building up families um, on expanding the social safety net so that more women choose to keep their babies, on subsidizing adoption, perhaps, on, on government-funded daycare and things like that. Now, I know as conservatives, we recoil at the idea that government would involve itself that way. And Steve, I know some people will immediately say, well, you'll just incentivize women to have children that they don't really want if you fund it. Uh, but wouldn't that be better, Steve, than trying to fight a fruitless battle uh, for abortion bans, which so far is not succeeding on a state-by-state -state basis. Uh, yeah, and electorally, it's it's a sad thing to say, but you know we are flawed people. Electorally, it is it has worked. This messaging is we cringe at it, but it has worked for the Democrats. Um, and I love this idea of yours, Scott. Uh, in part because of something else you said, and this has got to be a couple of years ago now, that they're really moving because abortion is one of those tri tricky, legally, it's just very, very tricky because this is something that there are, are so many ways to do and that desperate people will find ways to do, some of which can be very dangerous. And Scott, you said, and this is this is a paraphrase, but I, I just, I found, I went, yes, that's it. You said the struggle against abortion really isn't a, a matter for the courts or the law it's it it's a matter for the human soul and i thought yes that that is that is where the battle lies politically i think you nailed it and one of the problems is uh not that we're having too many abortions although i would say that is true the problem is we're not having enough babies uh and this is a this is a global phenomenon every everywhere that people achieve wealth they they stop having babies and it's it's a it's a real puzzler. It's a real head scratcher because the wealthier a country gets, you would think the more we could afford to, to have children, except it hasn't worked out that way at all. Uh, kids have become so expensive that finances are the number one reason given for women having abortion. I just can't afford this baby right now. 
Um, and what a, what a terrible decision to have to make. Um, and what is it? It's, it's South Korea now has a uh, fertility rate that's at, I think, at the 0.78. And you need 2.1 for replacement level or the population starts shrinking, which means their, their population is going to start shrinking by almost two-thirds every generation. We've never seen this happen before. Um, China, their birth rate is falling off a cliff. I just saw a report, I think it was in Wall Street Journal, Scott, China had 9 million babies last year, which is half the number they had in 2016. And 2016 is the year they got rid of their one-child policy and all of the forced abortions. So clearly there's, there's something very much changing the world. You don't, you don't see the, uh, the family photos like you would see from 50 or 100 years ago where mom and dad and their brood of seven. Um, that's, that's not the norm. Those are the, the, the outliers. And if we're going to start having babies, and I think we should, I'm a, I'm a dad of two. I would have loved to have been a dad of three or four, except I didn't meet the right girl till I was 32. And we didn't have our second kid till I was 41. And I was done changing diapers and crawling around the floor at that point. Um, but we need bigger families. We need more kids. It's just, it's the best thing in the world. It's the best thing for people is to have people. And let's get better at that. Let's make that easier again. It should be. It shouldn't be this hard. Bill Whittle, I think Steve makes an excellent argument that instead of uh, talking about unwanted children, maybe we should start talking about unwanted GDP increases, because uh, that's what we're saying. (laughs) When we say that we want fewer children, it means we want uh, slower growth. And uh, frankly, there will be nobody around to fund your Social Security (laughs) in your old age, because as the birth rate continues to drop and uh, the number of people who are in the workforce supporting a single person in retirement continues to dwindle. I think when they started Social Security, that number was something like 40 or 60 people per retiree, and now it's like three. Um, there are financial reasons, obviously, for for wanting to encourage people to have their babies. But I think we also have this issue where, I mean, Republicans already start with the alleged burden of being the uncaring, uncompassionate, why George W. Bush insisted on calling it compassionate conservatism uh, when we thought that was an oxymoron. But people don't think that's an oxymoron. Like people out there in the public have this perception that Republicans are sort of cold-hearted, practical, stoic, rational people who really don't care who gets hurt as long as they get their smaller government and lower taxes. Do you think it might be useful to say, you know what, Uh, there are some things that are worth uh, government investment, whether at the state or federal level, and one of those is making sure that uh, that women who will are willing to have their children can have their children without being uh, buried in debt or uh, driven into destitution. I I don't really feel particularly comfortable about going where I'm about to go. But on some level, we're already seeing a market for, for healthy babies. I mean, if you want to, if you're incapable, if you're infertility issues and you want to adopt a baby, yeah. we're looking at 30 grand now. I said something like that and, and, and continues to climb. That's, that's real money for, uh, for, for people. And, and I suspect that price is going to continue to go up. And so whether you want to call it a market or not, it's, it's, it's keeping lives alive. That's definitely in our favor. Um, the reason the Democrats are going with this, I think, is because it seemed pretty clear that that this issue actually did turn the red wave in 2022 into a, you know, slightly pink pond. Uh, but 
I think the the real question here in terms of the politics of it, since that's what you led with with the, the democratic uh, focus on this, I don't I don't know if it, I don't know if that is a sustainable issue. I mean, by the time we get to 2024, um, every woman in the country will have had two years of living in this horrible dystopian hell uh, that they've been warned about, and and I and I'm beginning to wonder if it's not going to scare them quite as much in 2024 as it did in 2022. But you're, the, the, the larger point is this. Yes, it, it's, it's a question of going with the positive message and not the negative one. And one thing that, that progressive policies have in common everywhere across the board is a fundamental um, hatred for humans in general. And I, and I felt fairly comfortable with that. Um, you, progressives tell each other that, that, that humans are, are, are destroying the planet, that we're going to kill all life on Earth, that we're responsible for all of the species extinction, that we're nothing but warring apes, and if we would just, you know, if we would just stop being so, so damn white supremacists about everything, the world would live in peace and harmony, that, that uh, overpopulation is a real problem. They, they're the ones that support things like, um, you know, uh, euthanasia and, and, and all of these things. All of their entire opinion of human beings is radically different than ours. And I personally think that if you were to celebrate being human, that is a winning um, message across the board. And and what what ultimately really what we're seeing here, Scott, is the democratic uh, strategy, which I'm going to call the small tent strategy, where they're trying to kick as many people out of their tent as possible, but make sure that the tent contains people that will absolutely show up religiously, uh, or I should say, lack of religiously. <laughs> On election day, they're gonna they're gonna rather than trying to bring new voters into the party, what they seem to be doing is trying to make sure that their core constituency is so energized that they will all come out in force, which is a message really for Republicans. And that message is that we would never lose to these people again if 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 enough conservatives just decided to go out and vote and not live in this world where, well, I agree with him on 97% of the things he says, but boy, these two things bother me. And the one thing is a deal killer I'm not voting for. You know, uh, I think one of the first things I said in this business is the lesser of two evils is the lesser of two evils. And, um, and you mentioned not too long ago, some statistic, was it from Texas, where the number of abortions had dropped by some staggering number? Like, was it 88% or something like oh, that? Like, no, it's like five nines down. It's like, yeah, it was just incredible. So, you know, we're actually winning this, this, this thing, but we can't win if we continue to allow them to, to have this kind of tactical battlefield advantage that they have with the rhetoric. This whole thing can be solved very simply, very, very simply in terms of the messaging. If somebody says, it's my, when, when a liberal says it's my body, I should be, I don't want the government to tell me what to do with my body. The answer is you're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely 100% on your side about this. You know, I don't want people telling me what they can inject into my kids' bloodstream. We're absolutely on the same page. So you're pro-abortion. No, ma'am, I'm not. It's not your body. It's got its own DNA. The baby has its own circulatory system. It's in your body, but it's not your body. If we just got to that place, their strongest argument would be off the table. Because as it turns out, we're in favor of their strongest argument. It's just that it's a, it's just that it's a false premise. Well, like it or not, um, the the Dobbs decision overturning Roe versus Wade um, is not a decision that suddenly meant that there would be no abortions anywhere. And in fact, 
Um, that great drop that we experienced in Texas doesn't take into account the people who fled Texas and went to other states to get their abortions. Um, and Texas is big, but there are other states nearby that we can get to uh, where they do that. It is also the Dobbs decision has spawned uh, a, a whole mail order industry uh, for abortion drugs um, that can uh, kill your baby without the uh, assistance of a clinic. And so we, we haven't solved the problem yet. And when they announced the, the uh, overturn of Roe versus Wade, there was a lot of jubilation among people who generally agree with me. And I remember at the time saying, this doesn't really change the human heart. It doesn't change the fundamentals here. Uh, people are going to still seek this out. But I do think that if Republicans wish to regain the initiative here and to allow people to see them for who they really are, there'll be a lot more talk about babies and maybe less about bans, a lot more talk about love and family and support and care and and less allowing the Democrats to make it sound like it's some sort of a health care crisis that we're trying to force upon the, the women of this nation. Um, we we have to make a decision uh, whether we want to focus our political attention on trying to um, to go state by state and possibly lose in referendum after referendum or legislature after rev- or legislature. I'm not saying we shouldn't engage in those battles, but I'm saying we need to start putting our attention on the women who are in tough situations, who in many cases are carrying a pregnancy that they did not intend to do, um, and in rare cases that they were not willing to do. Um, But if our compassion toward the women and toward families and toward children were more evident, I think we would do better with the voters. I think people would understand that better, and we would be a party that is looking to sustain uh, happiness and to grow families, not in the sense of numerically, but it, to strengthen them, to provide for women who are in tough situations. It, to me, this just seems like a no-brainer. And, and the, it's not because I've dreamed up some fantasy utopian world. I've, me- I've met people who do this. Um, there are organizations in our area right here who run what have become called crisis pregnancy centers, where any woman can walk in there and and get sit down with somebody and get an ultrasound and get to see her baby and then have somebody alongside of them who will say, look, I know you're having a tough time right now. I know you're worried about the money. Don't worry about that. We have people who donate to this organization. We have people who love you, in this case, in most cases, who love you in the name of Jesus Christ, who want to help you and who will be there with clothing and diapers and food and help you to find employment and help to to bring you together with your the the father of your baby. There are organizations who do this, but they're isolated, they're dispersed, and each one of them is in a daily struggle for funding. I think that we can do a better job as a church, but we can also do a better job as a states and as a country in coming alongside of those people and saying, let's have a look at your baby. Because once you get a look at your baby, the conversation changes. Once you see and hear your baby, you're now thinking, okay, well, maybe I have other options. 
And that's what we need to hear more of in our political dialogue, as well as in the dialogue of those who are out there doing this good work. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.